John 13. If you'd like to turn there in your Bible, you may. John 13, there are a few Bibles in front of you as well you may use. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew that who was to betray him. That was once, and resumed his place. He said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Father, these are our holy words, precious words. Give us, an, give us eyes and a heart that will see them as precious. And as Jesus has given us an example, teach us, Father, how to follow in that way, to love like this, to be humble like this. We have not deserved to be washed, and yet you've chosen to do so. We praise you. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Verse 1, you see those words, the hour had come. You can feel the weight of those words in every sentence. The hour had come. You know, all of John's gospel has been ticking towards this hour. From the very first moment that Jesus appears on the scene in John chapter 1, where John the Baptist declares, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, 13 chapters later, that Lamb of God prepares himself for the final Passover sacrifice. The hour had come. And in those last moments before these storm clouds broke, Jesus 
like maybe we would do. He doesn't try to steal away and get some time from him for himself. No, he chooses to do something so humble and so self-sacrificial. Some even might say that he humiliates himself. Already, he's planning to demonstrate his great love for the disciples by washing their feet. And it's no coincidence that right off the bat in verse 2, John highlights Judas's betrayal. See that in verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his, hand, into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Jesus spent the last three years or so discipling Judas and loving Judas and eating with him and doing all the things of life together with Judas, one of the twelve. There is Judas now with Satan in his heart, hungry to sell the Son of God for about $500, 30 pieces of silver, which is about how much you would get if you sold a slave in the first century. But just before Judas could sell Jesus for the price of a slave, he desires to wash his feet. Verse 3, we read that. It says, all things have been placed into his hands. And so the disciples' dirty feet, Judas Iscariots included. He would take them into his hands. And then soon he would receive the nails into those very hands that would pierce them through. And all this according to his will. All this by his hand. He did this. He laid aside his outer garments and taking the towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I think Jesus has so transformed our world that it's very difficult for us to see how shocking this was. Our perception of things is nothing like the disciples was, and we totally underestimate how humiliating this act of foot washing was. It was the job for the lowest of slaves. And in fact, according to some Jewish traditions, Wealthy Jews wouldn't even allow their Jewish slaves to wash their feet. They reserved that for the unclean Gentile slaves. In all of Jewish and Greco-Roman history, there is not a single record in antiquity of a superior washing the feet of an inferior. Not a single one, except John chapter 13. Jesus is making all things new. And so when he stoops down to begin washing the street grime off of the disciples' feet, they're feeling uncomfortable. They're probably feeling embarrassed. They probably think Jesus is embarrassing himself. Eventually, he gets to Peter. Peter clearly is struggling with this stunning act of humiliation. And so he says, Lord, do you wash my feet? Do you wash my feet? Like, who am I that you would wash my feet? Jesus knew that the disciples would struggle with this. 
He knew what their perception would be. He, he knew they wouldn't get it. That is, until they saw his crucified body resurrected and they could touch those wounds. That's why he said, afterwards, you will understand. And so I wonder, even at this Last Supper, if the disciples had any idea what Jesus meant by afterwards. After what, Jesus? When are we going to understand this? Do you think they had any idea what was about to happen to the Messiah, the son of David, this king of all kings, who was supposed to overthrow the Roman Empire? Well, it seems that the mood was rather somber in the room. And so they probably had a vague awareness that something bad was about to happen. But the significance of that was totally beyond their comprehension because immediately Peter incredulously declares, you shall never wash my feet. Don't you dare. Christ's response is masterful. Because with this simultaneous authority and love, he says to Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. This is not about dirty feet. This is a symbol of a far deeper cleansing, something much greater. Peter and the disciples and every single one of us, we are all morally filthy. And we know this because we're proud and we're selfish and we are sinners through and through. And with our every breath, we try to scratch, vainly try to scratch the image of God from off of our souls and try to replace it with our own image that we might be our own gods, that we might do what we want to do. And that's true, we do that, whether we, we realize it or not. All we end up doing is making aberrations out of ourselves and we become these moral abominations and we deserve for ourselves as a result an eternal separation from God, from the holy, pure, and perfect living God. We have no share with Him. So we are born with a tremendous need and we are desperate for him to cleanse us from this moral filth that so pervades our being. We don't need Jesus to wash our bodies. We need him to cleanse our souls. We need a cleansing far deeper than foot washing and a cleansing that would take a far greater act of humiliation. So to the disciples, a superior washing the feet of an inferior, inferior was incredibly shocking. Right? They were not getting it. It was scandalous to them. But not nearly as shocking as seeing the Messiah on a cross dying the death of the damned. In place of the damned. And so we see in both foot washing and crucifixion that the king of kings lowers himself to the station of the despised so that he could lift unclean sinners up into righteousness. Paul gives us an amazing picture of this in Romans chapter 5. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so yes, when we When we come to Jesus in faith, we turn from the unclean desires of the flesh, that old life, and we trust now in Jesus Christ's cleansing work. We are reconciled unto God. We are justified. We are saved. We are made pure. As he is pure, so he has made us pure. Now look at verse 10. Jesus said to Peter, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was about to betray him, which is why he said, not all of you are clean. So bodies, and feet especially, I think, need to be cleaned again and again. And for some, that's more than for others. But the soul... Once washed in the saving grace of Jesus Christ is forever clean, never needing cleansing again. It is done. Hebrews 10, 14, we read, For by a single offering, Christ has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. What a paradoxical statement that is. You are being sanctified, yet simultaneously you are cleansed, purified for all time. You are pure and righteous and justified and you are being cleansed. You are being sanctified. But that cleansing, that soul cleansing that brings us, that reconciles us to God and makes us pure, Jesus, in that moment where he purchased this for us from that cross, he speaks, it is finished. It is done. Hallelujah and amen. And this whole act of foot washing It's just an example of these incredible glories, glories that were veiled to them in the upper room, but they stream to us in brilliance from the cross because we can see the cross by the word of Christ. But in that upper room and in this room, there are some who are still not cleansed. Maybe they've been washed, but they have not been cleansed. To you, I say, look at what Jesus does here. See what he has given. See his humility. See how he lowers himself. Every other religious system of the world, when the Son of God realizes that one of these men would betray him, he would obliterate him. He would exercise his power and destroy them. But not this son of God, not the son of God. Instead, he washes Judas' feet. See the great kindness of Christ towards his enemies. Come to him for cleansing. And for you, 
who have come to Jesus for cleansing and who have gladly been washed by him and rejoice in a soul that has been purified in the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ. And Christ has given to you an example. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. When Jesus says you ought to wash one another's feet, in verse 14, we're not to understand that like it's an ordinance of the church, like baptism and communion. Like you, you literally need to wash people's feet. Some of us will do that, perhaps even tonight. But it isn't a command. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of love and humility. No, we are not mandated to wash one another's feet, just like we are not mandated to crucify ourselves, even though Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. No, foot washing is about following Christ's example. It's about laying aside our own rights. It's about humbling ourselves to honor and to help one another, to lift each other up. And so Jesus is giving us not a mandate, but an example of a posture that we are to emulate towards one another. And I think that there is one scripture that, perhaps more profoundly than, than anywhere else, really shows us what this means. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So so did you catch the way that Jesus cleanses? The way that Jesus cleanses his beloved bride, his church, uh, us, is by the washing of water with the word. It's his word that cleanses us. We know this because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. Then, so at the same moment that we heard the gospel and we believed, Christ cleanses us by giving us the water of his word. The water of his word. The work of the indwelling Holy Spirit when he comes to rest in these hearts, is to write God's word on our hearts. The law of God written on human hearts, this heart of stone ripped out and a heart of flesh put in it, a heart that beats with the word of God. And once washed, like John seven thirty eight says, once washed, we then flow with rivers of living water. So Christ has therefore equipped us to wash one another with the word. 
So what do we do? We seek wisdom from heaven and we humbly apply God's word to one another and we exhort with gospel truths and we confront sin with scripture and we strengthen one another with God's promises. Yes, the promises of God have a sanctifying power. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, since we have these promises, the promises of God, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And so we wash one another with the word, giving to each other gospel truths and God's promises and strengthening and exhorting and encouraging and rebuking one another into all holiness and maturity that we might become the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. It's amazing. So yes, Christ has given us to one another that we might be able to lift each other up out of the muck together, help clean the grime off of each other. And when you know, brothers and sisters, that we're going to fall into the mud, we all do. And usually more often than not, when we fall into the mud, we choose to splash around for a little bit. And so we help to pick each other up, clean one another lovingly, humbly, helping. And when we do this for one another, do you know that that's Christ in us? doing it, so that when we are cleansing one another, it's Christ cleansing us. It's all, as we saw earlier in chapter 13, by his hand. So this foot washing is a symbol. It's a symbol of Christ's humility, and it's a symbol of his love, a love he demonstrated not just in words, but with the deepest actions of self-sacrificial service, Foot washing is just a symbol that points ultimately to the cross, the greatest act of humility and love that the universe has ever seen and will ever see, the pinnacle of all history, which is exactly why John writes in verse 1, having loved his own who were with him in the world, he loved them to the end. And since it is true that a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him, let us exalt Christ with that same self-sacrificial, humble love for one another. 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God and all the elements of John 13 are in those two verses Father help us to love like this not out of obligation or demand or some sort of self-determination but because of your great love because you have lavished it upon us and we did not deserve it, but how freely you gave it to love us while we were your enemies. How that we would love like this, love one another despite the difficulties 
difficulties found within ourselves and within others. But they did not daunt you even as you washed Judas's feet. Help us. Help us to follow Christ, God, in all fullness, holiness, purity, in all love. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. For the next 20 minutes or so, the worship team is going to come up and lead us in four different songs.